The first time I became a pastor was when I was 11 years ordained. I went to a parish in Mid-City, Mother of Sorrows, and I lived alone there with my own cook and everything, just me. And then I ended up here uh, alone, uh, no other priests, and, and I'm my own cook and all. But in the middle, I was at a big parish, one of the biggest in the archdiocese. Uh, there were four of us there. I had two associates and one retired pa pastor living there with me. And every Saturday, we went to the confessional, all four of us, from 2 o'clock to 5, three hours, and we had lines. I I've never been in a place like that. The, the, uh, here, sometimes I have one person, sometimes none. But we had lines for three hours. There were so many people who went to confession. And every once in a while, I'd get one of these. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, blah, 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 blah. I say, well, welcome. Uh, they say, uh, I say, when was your last confession? Father, about 15 years ago. So I immediately think, OMG, this is going to be juicy. Get ready. Get ready. Well, Father, I cussed died about 10 times. I missed Mass once, maybe twice, and, um, and I lied three times. That's all. So that's all? They say, yes. I say, well, wow, I, I sinned more than that in 15 minutes, and, and you did that in 15 years? Good Lord. Um, I, I just amazed me how little awareness a person like that would have of, of what they had done in their life. I can't imagine that this is it. But maybe it's the fault of the church. I think confession is, is our biggest hidden secret. It's, I think it's one of the most beautiful blessings in our church. It's a room full of mercy. It's a room full of forgiveness and love. And I would think people would run to go there, to, to just feel completely washed clean. In fact, when I was a young priest, uh, I don't know, very early on, I had this image that sin was like this. I'm walking along and I fall in a mud pit. And I get up and I'm just covered in mire and muck and mud. I'm filthy. And Jesus happens along the road in his beautiful white garments. He comes over and embraces me and then begins to wash me clean. And when he finishes and I'm all back to my regular beauty, he walks away covered in my muck and my mud. And I think that's what it is. But we did something different in the church for years. And when I was in the seminary, we studied the sacraments, how they changed over the years. And in the Middle Ages, uh, just at the time of the beginning of Protestantism, the, the priest who heard the confession was considered to be like a judge. And he actually had a manual of, for this sin, this penance. Just like judges in court have, you know, they can tell you how many years you're going to do time for it. And so the, the priest sat there like a judge, and, and some of them were very severe. We all know that. But um, therefore, maybe we were shaped and formed. The, the sacrament began to remember, I said this a few weeks ago, in darkness. You entered the room, um, when you opened the door, there was a little tiny light on at the base of the kneeler. As soon as you knelt down, the whole room went into darkness, and you knelt there in darkness. And then when the little door opened and the light came through the, the beeswax uh, screen, you started, the sinner. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been three, three weeks since my last confession. I, I did my penance. Here are my sins. But it changed my first year of priesthood. It was an incredible change. First of all, those two rooms, at least one side was opened up so that you could come in and go face to face. 
that was unheard of. That was extraordinary to, to face the priest and face the gift of mercy that you were about to experience. And then you didn't start by saying, bless me, Father, for I have sinned negatively. But the priest began positively. Good afternoon. How are you? Welcome, welcome. Let's begin with a prayer. And, and the whole spirit changed. It was a completely different experience. So these readings today hearken back to both the negative and the positive. And in the first reading, I want to get the line right. Sirach says it. It's not the opening of his uh, book, but it is um, way at the end, really, 27th chapter. And this is what he says. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. Hugs them tight. And then it goes through talking about your sins and, and nourishing anger and, and refusing mercy and, and talking about wrath and enmity and, and just the ugliness of sin. But then we hear of mercy. And even that reading talks about the sinner who wants to refuse mercy. So then in the gospel, Peter comes along. And typical Peter uh, I think he was a blowhard. He, he, he loved to say things and give the right answer and be, be important, I think. So he says, Lord, how many times must we forgive? He asks an honest question. Then he gives an answer. He's like a kindergarten student who asks the teacher something and then gives the answer. And so the teacher says, oh, you're so good, Johnny. Oh, how beautiful. So he says, Lord, how many times must we forgive? Seven times? And now we know that seven is the number of perfection and completion. Anytime it says seven in the Bible, that means it's, it's perfect. It, it can't get better. Just, it's just the fullness. So he asks the question and gives the perfect answer. But Jesus doesn't accept it. He says, no, Peter, not seven times. Not always. And then depending on the translation, it used to say 70 times, seven times. But now it says 77 times. I don't know the original language, but... I guess 7-7 seven, seven would be good, but if you're really going to change it to 7-7, seven, seven, change it to 7-7-7, seven, because seven, seven, 3 is another perfect number. Three times, uh, three strikes, you're out, you know, so 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven would have been the, the right way, I think, to translate. But the old translation said, I read it for like 40 years, 70 times, 7 times, and that's another one. The Bible loves to play with numbers. 7 is the perfect number, but 70 is 7 times 10, another perfect number, because 10 multiplies perfectly, 10, 100,000, 10,000, 100,000, and it just keeps multiplying exactly. So, 10, 70 times 7 times, well, this is perfection. And if I were to translate into words, Jesus would have said, no, Peter, not seven, 77 times, but rather, or, I'm sorry, let me put it in words, Peter, not always, but always, 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 I can do this all day. Always, 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 always. It would be not a number of times, like 70 times, 7 times, 490 times, but like the Scripture said that you have to feel mercy in your heart. And when you do that and become a person of mercy, a person of forgiveness, you will do it always. Because that's who you are. You're a merciful person, a person who loves forgiveness. But Jesus then responds by telling this parable. And this is one of my favorites because it, 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 the first half is just, it's perfect. Let it go, Jesus. But then he comes in and punches you right in the gut. He tells a story 
of a man who was collecting um, the, the money that was owed to him from his many accounts. And he calls in this one servant, and he says, pay up, but one debtor. And um, the guy didn't have any money. So the master said, put him in jail with his wife and his children and all his property until he pays up. That was the law. But the man fell down on his knees and begged him, please, sir, please have mercy on me. I'll pay you back in full. Give me some time. And the beauty of this, this man, it says his, he was filled with compassion. Right here, he felt sorry for this man. So not only did he not say, okay, I'll give you another 10 years, he said, I'll write off the debt. You don't have to pay me back anything. You're free. You're free. Now put yourself in those shoes. Let's say you owe $100,000 for something. And uh, the bill collector comes, and you get taken to court, and the judge is ready to make the decision, and you beg for mercy, and then the person or company that you owe 100000 for whatever reason, the person who runs that company is a man of, or a woman of compassion, stands up and says, Judge, I want to drop the case and write off the debt. He doesn't have to pay back at all. How would you feel? How would you feel? But then Jesus takes that moment, and he adds, but that man who received so much mercy and kindness, he went out and bumped into someone who owed a fellow servant who owed him a, a little bit. And he demanded that money. And when the person said the same words he said, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Throw him in prison and his wife and his kids and you keep him there until the debt is paid. So the other servant seeing it, run off and tell the master that. And he's furious. He's furious. Now, this is the only part of the story I don't like, and, and, I, and I think uh, it just went too far. Jesus, chill out. I mean, the, the God is going to be wrathful. Because we, we just kept saying the Lord is kind and, and uh, full of kindness and mercy. We, we kept singing that. Do we believe it or we don't? And does he turn it on and off, like one day he's merciful and kind, the next day he isn't, or he gets mad at us? No, it, 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 this language is the kind of language to scare us into to being obedient to this, as if you can be merciful just by law. Okay, I will be merciful. I don't want to be, but I will be merciful. We're talking about forgiveness from the heart, mercy from the heart. And the man who had received total mercy couldn't show it. What a sad story. What a terrible story. But didn't Jesus teach this in the prayer that he taught us, the Our Father? And quite frankly, this for me is one of the most climactic moments in the Mass. It isn't, because receiving communion is the big climax. But the Our Father is the one time that I see everybody praying. You can hear the prayer. People love that prayer. Maybe because Jesus gave it to us? I don't know. Um, because there's a lot of masses, especially some quinceaneras, some weddings, some funerals. That I celebrate mass, and I, I feel like I have to say the, the response to myself. In fact, I had a priest friend many years ago who used to go to a funeral and nobody would be responding or a wedding, so he'd say this, the Lord be with you and also with me. <laughs> he would just say the whole thing because he, he'd say the Lord be with you and they wouldn't respond. But when we come to be our Father, listen today, everybody prays it. You can feel it. And Jesus, 
gives us some words that I think are just audacious. How could he tell us that we should speak to God like this? And Father, you forgive me like I forgive those who have hurt me. Because the reverse of that would be, I'm not going to forgive you, so don't forgive me, God. Would we dare to say that? And yet that's the prayer. I think Jesus is reaching for something really big here. And I, I have to say, this is not an easy thing. Forgiveness is not easy sometimes. Sometimes it's easier to forgive a stranger than it is our own blood brother or sister. Sometimes they can hurt us so much. And we got to do what we got to do, and we got to try and do what we get, need to try to do. But, but Jesus is saying, reach for this. The kingdom of heaven, if you want to live the kingdom of heaven right now, you got to learn to forgive. And that's what he did from the cross. Why should he have forgiven there in the face of such hatred and suffering? Why shouldn't he have said to all of them, you can go to hell? But he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Forgiveness is golden. It's absolutely golden. And Jesus is saying to us, reach for it. Reach for the gold. Because when you find that, you find life.